Welcome back, Mason Brew, to another episode of Victor's Valiant podcast here on SB Nation's Mason Brew, and my name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me as always, my boys Cullen Logsdon and Andy McDonald. Boys, it's I'm, been a I'm couple weeks, fine. but uh, how are we doing complain, on tonight? Doing fine. All right. Colin, how are we doing, man? I'm great, man. Just excited to uh, tackle all these football and basketball stories we got going on, especially football. Oh, absolutely. It's It's been a uh, crazy day today in football. Uh, Harbaugh and D'Antonio jabbing each other on Twitter. It's, it's been uh, uh, the unexpected Monday of football news for me, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, maybe another day. But what I do want to talk about is uh, uh, the actual game that's going to be happening here, the Outback Bowl on January 1st. But before we get to that, just want to remind all of you that maizeandbrew.com is not the only place you can get our podcasts. You can also download them on iTunes and the Google Play Store by searching Maize and Brew Podcasts. You can uh, download that straight to your phone if you uh, listen to podcasts on the go like I do, and uh, you'll get a notification right when the podcasts are posted. So go ahead and subscribe for free today. So getting back to this Outback Bowl, um, it was announced yesterday that Michigan's going to be playing South Carolina on January 1st in Tampa in the Outback Bowl, a rematch of the uh, 2012 matchup where uh, basically the only memory that sticks out to anybody is that Jadeveon Clowney hit on Vincent Smith, that uh, uh, that very vicious hit that's probably going to be replayed over and over and over and over again uh, leading up to the game and even probably during the game. That's probably inevitable. Um, so this should be an interesting matchup, Big Ten versus SEC. Always good to watch that. Um, I, I think this is an interesting matchup for Michigan. I, I, I think the way that both of these teams' seasons have gone, it's been pretty similar. Both teams are 8-4. and four. Both teams have kind of had the same trajectory uh, in, in the sense that Michigan really beat the teams that they were supposed to beat and lost to the teams that most people expected them to lose to, that one uh, – one loss uh, of against Michigan State, you know, no one really expected, but you, you'll have those every once in a while. Uh, meanwhile, South Carolina also went eight and four. Uh, they didn't beat anybody notable either. Uh, they lost all the teams that uh, they were expected to lose to, that being Georgia and uh, other SEC powerhouses like that. Um, I, I think the one bad loss that they had was against Kentucky. I, th- I think that was at home for South Carolina as well, so that's not a very good lost to have on your resume either. So both both teams having pretty similar seasons uh, in the regular season. I, I think this is an interesting matchup. I, I want to toss it over to you, Colin. What do you expect to see in this game, uh, at, at least on offense for Michigan? Because, of course, Brandon Peters is going to come back. So what do you expect to see early on? Well, I'm hoping to see an offense that at least looks competent out on the field. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't see that too much with John O'Corn out there. But we remember when Peters, you know, went up against the likes of Minnesota, Rutgers, Maryland, and even for Wisconsin for two and a half quarters. He looked really good out there. The offense flowed. You know, he made some passes downfield. And the number one thing, he did not turn the ball over, the complete opposite of when John O'Corn was in there. So with Peters out there, I expect him to keep, you know, keep taking care of the ball to allow the running game with Higdon and Evans to do its thing. But you want to keep seeing it. Remember after the Rutgers game, we said as weeks go on, we want him to take more and more deep shots downfield. He was doing that. And hopefully in this game, you know, with a month to prepare, you know the opponent. You have a month, a uh, ton of practices, probably 15 practices between now and then. You're hoping he'll take a few deep shots and just give you, you know, some excitement going into next year since Brandon Peters is most likely the guy. Um, yeah, you just want to see him take more deep shots. But also um, Higdon and Evans, you want to see them keep doing their thing. And hopefully the offensive line, for God's sakes, will, will, 
we'll uh, protect him this time. We hate to see Peters go down again. The kid's been killed since he went against you know against Rutgers, remember Minnesota, and then Wisconsin ultimately ultimately with the injury. So hopefully the offensive line, that's the big if, will hold him up because we know what they can do in the ground game. So I expect to see Michigan with a good offensive attack. Uh, I wouldn't expect to see 40 or 50 points put up. But in the, the high 20s, mid-30s is where I'd project against the South Carolina. Pretty good defense. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I really do expect the offensive line to bounce back after all the problems that they had throughout the season. It, I think the offensive line's best game, believe it or not, was that first game against Florida. They actually held a pretty clean pocket for Wilton Spade to deliver those deep passes, especially that Tariq Black uh, 50 or so yard touchdown that he had. So the offensive line held up pretty well. Uh, in that game, at least pass protection-wise, I'd have to go back and look at the run run blocking. But that obviously progressed throughout the regular season. But uh, with the amount of rest that these guys get, I would expect the pass protection to at least be, uh, you know, a little better to uh, have Brandon Peters be able to, you know, stand up in the pocket and deliver a nice ball. Andy, what do you expect to see, man? Um, I, I guess there's more progression. I mean, that's really what you've kind of been looking for, or what I've been saying at least since, you know, you kind of knew their season was over after the loss to Penn State. It's kind of a more or less of, you know, what what can this team do to keep getting better towards the future, and I think that's definitely where they're at right now, and I think what you guys are saying about Peters is exactly right. You just want to see a lot more of the Michigan offense, the offensive line, to be able to give him time to throw because you want to see what he's able to do, you know, not just in short passing situations, but what he can do downfield, and I think that Michigan's going to try to air it out a lot more with him. Um, I definitely think you want to see the defense also end the season on a good note. Um, obviously, they've been able to play pretty good all season. But you want to get something for next year, some positives going in, and maybe maybe get some of these younger guys in the defense a little bit more involved in the game like this. Yes, essentially you do want to win a bowl game, but it doesn't really matter as much, you know, with, with guys like McCray and Hurst leaving and stuff. Maybe get some more guys in the mix to see what they can do um, in this game, um, just to see, you know, give them some action, give them some uh, some playing time in actual games. But I think it's just what you want to see a lot for Michigan overall as a team is you want to see them go out and win a game like this because it can go a long way, I think, into next season. If you beat any kind of opponent that's like a South Carolina, even if it's not their best season, it's still an out of conference opponent that's not an easy one to beat. So it'd be good to it'd be good for Michigan to be able to see people like Peters excel in a game like this, and maybe some of the younger guys on defense play well. Yeah, I agree, and I I kind of like your point about the seniors and and the the way that they're able to uh, truly leave their legacy on the program, especially guys like Mo Hurst who had such a fantastic season this year and. You know, we've all complained about him not getting Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year. We all know it should have been yeah. Maurice Hurst. There's no doubt about it. He caused the most havoc in backfields all season. Chase Winovich uh, could have been awarding that awarded that as well, but I, I think it's clearly Maurice Hurst. I, I really hope to see him uh, uh, kind of establish himself as a first-round draft pick in the NFL uh, in this game, you know, whether it be getting to the quarterback or stopping the run. He's been dominant at both all season long. Um, so to, to see a, one last game with Maurice Hurst and, and Mason Cole, especially him, he, he needs to up his draft stock a little bit. He hasn't had the greatest season at left tackle. I'd love to see him get drafted early on in the NFL draft. Uh, it, it's going to be important for these uh, for these seniors, especially um, you know, the, like the guys that we said. But it's especially going to be important for Mike McCray, guy that, you know, at, at right now, I think I saw a, proje- um, a projection of him being around like a six-round pick. So hopefully he has a pretty good game and – and can uh, you know get him a little higher of a draft stock there, and and uh, uh, just, you know just be able to. Oh, go ahead. Just don't line him up on any uh, running backs and pass protection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's make sure that the NFL uh, uh, teams don't see that tape 
of a Mike McCray because that that definitely was him, not his. Him covering a wheel too. route for a running back is like automatic six points. So so Don Brown should avoid that at all costs to help his poor draft stock. Prop, yeah, prop probably. I, I think that would probably be a pretty smart thing to do, uh, for, especially for his draft stock. Um, but just uh, also for the game at hand. But but uh, I I guess I kind of I said what mine was already with Maurice Hurst really uh cementing himself as a first round draft pick in this game. Is, is there anything specific that uh, you want to see out of this, uh, maybe an individual player or, or out of the team in general, Colin? Uh, I guess just Maurice Hurst, kind of like you guys said, but to play devil's advocate, I would say Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, the, probably the biggest, because as the weeks have gone on, he's had more and more of a role in the passing game. We saw again against Ohio State, uh, his his specialties and special teams, um, you know, the punt returns and all that. Maybe he can do a kick return or two, since we've, we haven't been able to get that aspect of special teams going. But most importantly, um, you know, the deep passes. John O'Corn never really found him deep. But we saw Peters kind of lean on Peoples-Jones a little bit, especially in that Wisconsin game. He had that big 50-yard bomb. He had what looked like Peoples-Jones' first and only touchdown of the season, only to be robbed by the idiots, you know, officiating and running the video monitors. I don't know how they didn't call it a touchdown. But it seems like Peters and Peoples-Jones have some chemistry, so really get him going, uh, try some more shots downfield, try some end-arounds, just get him any way you can get him the ball. He's your most athletic guy, your most explosive guy in offense and special teams. I'm really looking at DPJ because I, I think a lot of people would say he's had a disappointing freshman season considering the need we had a wide receiver, considering he was a top guy in the country. But I think over the last few weeks, maybe the last month, you've seen him really develop, really take that next step. If he has a huge bowl game, expect everyone to be uh, ready for him to explode uh, as a sophomore next year. I'm with you. Andy, is there anything specific that you want to see out of an individual or just out of the team in general? Uh, I think that that's definitely a good point about uh, Don Peoples-Jones because he really hasn't, you know, exceeded the expectations that people wanted to see out of him this year. Maybe he's just one of those younger guys going to keep progressing. Um, but I think with the running backs, you want to keep seeing the consistency in a game like this against a different defense, um, not just the Big Ten defense they kind of went up against because, yeah, they had they had some pretty good games running so throughout the end of the season, but you want to see him really lead this team to a win, I guess, against an SEC-type defense like this. That's a little bit different than what they were playing against. You know, they're tearing up teams like Minnesota and everything, but th- those aren't really, you know, the best opponents. These are the kind of games you want to see them keep going. And you know what this running, or what this backfield could do for Michigan in the future because some of these guys are back and, you know, Higdon and um, Chris Evans and stuff like that, maybe, maybe even some from Walker. You just you want to see these guys start to get more action in the backfield. So I guess I want to see a lot of their running game. And I definitely want to keep seeing the growth of the tight ends, too, in there with McCune and stuff. I want to see them keep using them the way they've kind of been towards the end of the year. I know sometimes it seems like they may have been throwing to them too much, but I definitely think if you can mix that in with some of the deep uh, passes that Michigan hasn't been doing this year, I think it'll make them that much more versatile and it'll be that much more of an attack. So I definitely want to see the tight ends stay involved and, you know, maybe get more yards after the catch or have more of an opportunity because if you air the ball out and you give it more, um, more of a diverse feel, then they might have more of a chance to be able to get open. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So moving on here a little bit, I'm sure we'll talk more about the Outback Bowl uh, as the weeks progress, but I want to talk right now, uh, kind of wrap up the regular season a little bit. Obviously, it wasn't the way that Michigan fans and we had all hoped that the season would go. Um, you know, some may call it disappointing. I wouldn't really call it disappointing, um, you know, because at the end of the day, I think we all had them pegged at 8-4, and 9-3, and three, and that's exactly where they were at. So what I want to ask you guys today is um, – you know, really, what do you guys think Michigan did the best this season, whether it be offense, defense, special teams, coaching, etc.? And what do you think they did uh, the most poorly this season? I'll, I'll start with you, Colin. 
I think best they did was um, hmm. that's a good question. I'm trying to think. It's definitely on defense. I was trying to think of either be rush defense or pass defense. I'm going to go pass defense just because obviously they're number one in the country. And you think in all the games um, where they lost, they really only lost because the quarterback could scramble and got a lot of scrambling yards on him. They didn't really pass that much on him outside of Xorley hitting a few big plays. You know, JT Barrett was held in check. He didn't make a big pass. Brian Lewerke didn't make too many big passes. So I think just the pass defense was excellent this year. And you think that they had to replace all four guys, or yeah, all four starters from the secondary last year. We thought that would be the weak link in the defense this year, and they'd be relying heavily on the defensive line. The secondary more than held their own this year. You could say maybe they were the strongest point of the entire team. Just all four new starters. You just think of Lavert Hill and David Long, true sophomores. Both had the two highest PFF grades of any corners in the conference. Yeah. I mean, just outstanding. But I think Metellus and uh, Cannell obviously made, uh, had some mistakes at safety. But overall, just the secondary was outstanding against the pass. No one, I don't think any quarterback threw for over 250 yards on him. Just a great job this year. I got to say, they did that the best. Worst is the, other, is the passing game on offensive side of the ball. I mean, goodness gracious. Wilton Spate struggled mightily. John O'Korn couldn't hit a wide-open target if, you know, the defense only played five guys. But Brandon Peters hit some plays, but they still didn't really test him that much. Offense ran the ball very well, maybe outside of the big games and stuff. But passing-wise, passing I'd say the secondary was the strongest. Your passing game on offense was the weakest. So hopefully we can get that more towards the middle next year. Yeah, I agree. And you kind of almost stole my uh, my worst one there. Uh, my worst is the safeties in coverage specifically. Uh, you know, they, they really struggled all season long, and it, it really started to show against Penn State with Josh Metellus and Tyree Kennel. They, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't pretty. They, they need to do something about it next year, whether it's, um, you know, just teaching the guys that they already had out in safety uh, with Metellus and Cannell, um, really teaching them how to cover the guys, uh, maybe get Mike Zordich to, to help him out as he's a cornerback uh, yeah. coach, maybe get him to do something with the safeties in, in pass coverage, or whether it's, Start one of the other younger guys, whether it's Jalen Kelly Powell or Jamaric Woods, or you know, even maybe even uh, a Miles Sims, who's going to be a, a defensive back coming in in the uh, upcoming recruiting right. class. I, I think the ceiling on him is a uh, phenomenally high. I really like him so coming cool. in. Uh, so, so I don't know what they do specifically with it, but they got to fix it somehow because uh, it's just not acceptable. But what, what are you going to say, Colin? Yeah, I can tell you, Metellus' drop against Ohio State was absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. I mean, if Metellus intercepts that when you're yeah. nothing, I think you actually win the game. So to drop that when there's no one around you and it's just kind of a lofted pass, that's unacceptable. But the fact that him and Cannell struggled so much in pass protection and you still had the number one passing defense in the country speaks to how good the corners were. I mean, no one threw on David Long and Levert Hill all year long. So if you can at least get a decent effort out of those guys next year, or like you said, a Kelly Power or Jameric Woods stepping yeah. up and taking one of those spots, you're going to have, again, the best secondary, and you're going to be locking guys down for sure. I agree. And I think the best thing that Michigan did all season was defensive coaching. Don Brown, he is a wizard. He is just – he's amazing at what he does. To be able to take uh, this young defense – I have one returning starter in Mike McCray, and he was probably one of your uh, uh, you know worst uh, players on defense. And that's really saying something, how you're leading – uh, a return guy, your senior, your uh, captain on defense was one of your worst players on defense. To be able to turn that defense around, have them put up the stats that they did, have Chase Winovich really break out. Rashawn Gary had a phenomenal sophomore season. There was no sophomore slump there. Khalid Hudson taking over Jabril Pepper's uh, Viper position. I think he played even better than Jabril did at Viper, uh, and that's really saying something as well. And just the way that the secondary, like you already said, Cullen, uh, progressed and 
with uh, Lavert Hill and David Long being true sophomores. I mean, it, it was just an incredible, incredible job that Don Brown was able to uh, do this season with with that young squad. And I, I especially uh, am looking forward to seeing them play again next season because you basically get all those guys back. I mean, and the, the one guy that you for sure lose is McCray. Uh, hopefully Winovich comes back because he's got one more year of eligibility. So to get him for a fifth year, that would be fantastic. And then the young guys that we didn't really uh, get to see this year, Luigi Villain being uh, the one that I really wanted to see that we weren't able to, unfortunately, due to injury. So he'll redshirt, um, you know, countless others. Quiddy Pay looked really good in mop-up duty. He was a true freshman. So just the fact that he was able to turn this defense around, um, you know, being one of the oldest defenses in the country in 2016 to being the absolute youngest in 2017, he did phenomenal. Uh, so my absolute best there is Don Brown. So, Andy, what do you got, best and worst? Uh, I'd definitely say for the best. I think you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I was definitely going to talk about Don Brown too, just the way he was able to keep the defense focused all year, even when they didn't have an offense that you know really could put up a lot of points um, and be able to to be able to keep them off the field. You know, sometimes that has to be for a defense kind of demoralizing to not see your offense put up points. And when they would make plays and get the ball back, and Michigan couldn't do anything with it. It just has to be so hard to come out back out there and keep playing. And yeah, sometimes they did get beat throughout the year, but I think overall the way that Don Brown was able to keep them focused and keep them as still one of the top defenses of the country is no doubt Michigan's like best mark of the year. Um, the worst thing, I, I guess, uh, I mean it's it's kind of hard to say just because you know with the with the quarterbacks and stuff, you know they had the injury to Wilton Spate early, so that that was kind of tough to overcome. But I guess it just for how long it took for them to realize that they really need to switch out of John O'Corn and get to Brandon Peters. And I think a lot of that falls on Harbaugh, and I think that they maybe should have tried it a little bit earlier because that Purdue game just kind of kept lingering. It's something to fall back to, and people said that he played so good. I think they should have got him out of there earlier. So I think that there was a couple you know, times where Harbaugh could have made some adjustments this year and maybe some changes to the offense. I think that the, and the, the just the bland uh, – Drevno as well with the bland uh, play calling on offense. I think just the play calling and the use of the quarterback on offense was definitely my dig- biggest disappointment. Yeah, the play calling was pretty predictable at points, uh, especially early on. I, I remember the Cincinnati game especially. They were having a lot of problems on offense. They tried to – end around I think with Kakoa Crawford and it just ended up being a fumble that should never be in the playbook and I think it was a third and medium they did some stupid little uh uh a flat route with Tariq Black resulted with I think one yard maybe so uh, I know especially early on the offensive play calling was was dreadful but uh, kind of picked up a little bit once the run game started to uh, progress especially in that Indiana game so um you know, kind of cut them a little slack. Just Yeah, like you said, with Spate being injured and having to play O'Corn for practically half the year, um, that, that's always going to uh, result in some poor play calling. So I'm with you. I, I think that was pretty bad as well. But want to move on here uh, to another topic that our very own Colin Logsdon presented uh, pre-show. He, he wants to uh, talk about uh, quarterback Shea Patterson potentially coming to the University of Michigan, he's a uh, true sophomore at the moment. He's at Ole Miss. He was, I believe, actually the uh, top-rated quarterback in his recruiting class, and he was recruited in the same year that Brandon Peters was. So, Colin, what do you think about the idea of this guy coming to U of M and challenging Brandon Peters and Dylan McCaffrey and uh, the freshmen that are becoming in? Okay, sorry, you went out for a second there. But, yeah, about Shea Patterson, you're right. He was the top quarterback in his class, and he was actually the number four overall player. In that class, one of the top players, you know, in the entire country, just an absolute stud. 
Um, him coming to Michigan potentially would drastically change the outlook for not just next season, but the season after that. If he can, if he can start next year, I think you're looking at Michigan as the favorite in the Big Ten and possibly one of the favorites for a national championship. I heard someone on ESPN talk about it before and say he thinks Michigan would be like number three preseason if he came and was eligible to start. Just the fact, obviously, we like Brandon Peters. What he, what he, what he brings, we think he can develop really well. But Patterson's already a proven commodity. I mean, he's already shown what he can do in the SEC. As a true freshman, he had like three comeback wins in the final minutes. And a lot of people compare his style to play to Johnny Menzel, his ability to extend plays with his legs. He's super quick. That helps when you have an offensive line that Michigan doesn't always want to pass protect. He can throw the ball deep downfield. He can make the little check down plays. And he always seems to make the right decision. The kid just has tons of confidence. Him coming to Michigan with a weapon job next year would be amazing. Uh, me and my brother texted this about like three weeks ago, hearing rumors that he was looking at Michigan, but I think they're actually true. Then Sam Webb broke that story about Hafter, the Ohio State game here, and someone from Toledo saying that Patterson was there and Michigan's the Michigan's the favorite, and uh, he already he's already been granted a, uh, a permission to leave from Ole Miss. Obviously, Michigan is one of the teams that he'd be able to go to since they don't play Ole Miss the next two years and not an SEC team. So I think just bringing Patterson to here would be great. Um, obviously, we like Brian Page, we like McCaffrey, but I think I think those guys would embrace the competition. And I think Patterson would embrace the competition with them as well. Let the best guy win the job. You think it'd be Patterson, but hey, if it is Peters, then that just shows you how good he is too. So the more quarterbacks, the merrier is how I look at it. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way with you, uh, especially uh, you know just how things progressed, especially this season with your starter. Uh, getting injured uh, in the fourth game of the season and your backup quarterback being so inept and he's throwing interceptions left and right. And he was essentially the entire reason why they lost against Ohio State. And he was a huge reason why we lost against Michigan State. And he was another big reason why we lost against Penn State just because the offense was so, uh, you know, so uh, inept. It wasn't able to drive down the field or do anything really. Um, so I, I'm all in with Shea Patterson coming to U of M. I, I think the competition would be great. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, throwing Peters or McCaffrey or Milton at the wayside by bringing in a guy. I, you know, I, I just don't understand why people wouldn't want the quarterback competition. It makes these guys better. And it just in case, uh, there are injuries like there were this season, then you've got guys to fall back on. Even if Shea Patterson is the fourth guy on the depth chart, you know, you never know what's going to happen to quarterbacks, number one, two, and three. So I, I would embrace it. I would embrace the opportunity for him to come play at Michigan. Um, you know, just just because you, nev- you never know. Maybe McCaffrey's a bust. Maybe Peters it, it ends up being a bust and, and it doesn't do well next season. Who knows? Who who knows what happens? So you, you got to take chances with guys like this. And it's He's not, not like – game manager either. Like, Walt Spade was going to keep us as a game manager. John O'Corn, he was less than that this year. We needed John O'Corn to just manage the games, which he couldn't do. Shea Patterson isn't just a game manager. He's a guy that can single-handedly win you every single game on your schedule. Your defense can allow 40 points, and he has the potential to score you 41 every game because he is that good. Michigan has never had a quarterback with yeah. this much talent, ever. And that's saying a lot. So I'm saying Shea Patterson is the real deal. He is a Heisman candidate. I mean, he had through seven games this year, he had like 3,000 yards passing and like 17 touchdowns. That is insane. He led the SEC yep. with yards per game and like touchdowns per game. And he's only a sophomore. Like the kid is incredible, once in a generation type of talent. You have to bring him in here to Harbaugh, and you pray that the NCAA will find some way to allow him to play next year because the national title or bust. Is I like agree. It's, it's a different scenario because 
Shea Patterson, he's not going to be a fifth-year guy. He's not like a Jake Rudock. He's not like John O'Corn where he comes in for just one year or you know two years or whatever. He would be here for, for several years and potentially start for several years. Um, so there's always that as well. So uh, kind of a different circumstance, but I, I think it would be uh, pretty beneficial for uh, Michigan football to go get a guy like him. Just, just even if he's, like I said, even if he's the fourth-string guy, it's better to have him as the fourth-string guy than – it is to have a guy like John O'Corner, Alex Malzone, where there's practically no chance of victory at that point. And, uh, you know, the fact that they would get in there is just kind of uh, kind of funny at that point. But, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But kind of running out of time here today, I uh, want to hit one more thing with Andy. Uh, Michigan basketball, they're taking on Ohio State tonight. Um, a pretty interesting matchup. I, I think Ohio State's actually been playing pretty well the last yeah. uh, week or so. And, uh, what's that, Andy? I say you can definitely say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've been playing pretty well. Um, and, and this is on the road, right? Yep. It's road game. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, and you know, they, they looked pretty good against Indiana. Michigan did. Uh, but the game before when they went to North Carolina, they just got, uh, physically abused in the first half and especially in that second half. It, it was just rough. I, I kind of just want your take real quick, Andy, on, what was so bad in that North Carolina game? Uh, what was so good in the Indiana game? And what do you expect to see uh, in the Ohio State game tonight? Do you expect the Jekyll or do you expect the Hyde? Well, this is the thing. I think a lot of what happened in that North Carolina game, you know, you saw Michigan come out and they were shooting the lights out. Eight for eight from the field to start the game, you know, couldn't miss a shot. You saw a lot of momentum kind of starting, to, not, not necessarily going their way because North Carolina was playing right with them. But you could tell that, you know, Michigan was right there. They could feel it. They had momentum. And a lot of those guys in those teams, like we've talked about all year, with playing new roles and everything, they, you could see they were kind of believing in each other and believing, wow, you know, maybe we could actually get out of here with a win. And then Duncan Robinson misses a layup on one end of the floor that, you know, pr- should have easily been two points, and it goes right back down the other, the other end about a matter yeah, of three bad. seconds. Easy points for them. That immediately got the crowd into the game. I think it was louder than, at least from what I could hear on the TV, louder than than it was, you know, that entire game at that point. It was just one of those kind of plays that got gave the crowd energy. And from there on out, Michigan just never got back in that game. They let it get away from them. And players like Duncan Robinson and Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman did absolutely nothing in that game. You know, Rockman kind of beat himself up after the game by saying, yeah, if I were, you know, if I were Coach Beeline, I would have taken me out earlier too. That's that's what kind of happened is a lot of those guys that were, you know, leaders in this team are expected to be leaders kind of put their, you know, head in between their knees and, and didn't really come out and fight back or give any punches back and said just kind of shied away and kept making mistakes and looked timid out there on the floor. You kind of expect those things early in the year, especially when you have a lot of guys playing newer roles. So it's really nothing that's surprising to me. I didn't expect Michigan to win this game. I'm honestly as surprised they play as well as they did to start the game. I thought maybe they could have made it a little bit closer all the way through. It's just, you know, when momentum shifts in the road, you have to find a way to be able to get it back. And against Indiana, you know, yeah, they, they I think it's still impressive. Nevertheless, they were able to beat them by 14. I know Indiana hasn't been the best team, but, shoot, they were hanging with Duke the other night. So the fact that, you know, Michigan was able to beat them by 14 points says a lot. But they're playing well at home right now. But this is, a, this is a place in Ohio State where they have not, you know, played well on the road over the past few seasons. So I think you're going to see – Ohio State's not necessarily that good of a team. I know everyone's, you know, kind of, oh, my gosh, they beat, you know, Wisconsin by 30 points or whatever – it's not Wisconsin's not a good team at three and five right now. So when you look at it like that, Michigan, I think Michigan's definitely the the better team right now. But on the road, I haven't seen enough from Michigan yet this season because you know North Carolina was really that only two road game, and they didn't go so well for them. So it's hard to really expect what you're going to see out of this team tonight. 
But I definitely think that you're going to see guys like Rockman and Robinson. They're not going to go away tonight. I think that they're going to play a lot harder of basketball, and they're going to try to keep Michigan in the game. I, I would think that Michigan can get out of there with a win tonight, but it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be a battle. This isn't going to be the game where Michigan's going to blow them out. It's going to be a lot like the VCU game or or the LSU game where Michigan's going to have to you know either win the game in the last five minutes or they're going to lose it because you know they they can't make their shots and they get down themselves or they're able to fight those shots and play good enough defense to keep themselves on top and win the game. I yeah, think. I, I I think that's certainly right on point. I I, I think they need to get some of the freshmen some more playing time as well. I think that uh, Jordan Poole has been fantastic the last few games. I, I think he's looked really good, and I think his uh, his potential is really uh, off the charts. I, I think uh, Eli Brooks being another one, I, I think that the, both those guys need some more playing time because, you know, guys like like you said, uh, Abdur Rockman wasn't really getting it done, and uh, especially Duncan Robinson. He, he's been struggling on defense, and he hasn't really been hitting his shot lately, but hopefully he can get that turned around in time for uh, the consistent Big Ten schedule because uh, this is really the last Big Ten game for a little while. I, I know they head uh, uh, to to Texas, and they have UCLA at home as well. So it, it is yeah, a crazy uh, stretch of, of uh, really good uh, teams for Michigan. I mean, it, well, I know that UCLA just um, lost LiAngelo Ball, their, uh, their star freshman, but, um, you know, that you, mm-hmm. you would still think that they would be good. Um, so – no, they're, yeah. they're still a seven and one team, and those and those are still games that at the end of the year, if Michigan can beat schools like that, it's going to look good in their resume. So they, these games are still very, very important for Michigan, regardless of what the record is. And it starts tonight with Ohio State. It's just like if if they could win two out of these last three games, then I think Michigan's still looking pretty yeah. good. You know, entering the Big Ten season, it's not anything that you uh, expected or didn't expect. I mean, they're only a ranked team or anything coming this season, so you know, only having three losses, that's a little bit that's different. But if they if they go out and lose a game like tonight, and then you know even lose both or something like, or they only win one then it's going to be like, okay, you really got to make up a lot of ground, you know, kind of like they had to last year mm-hmm. um, towards the end of the Big Ten uh, season. But, you know, what Michigan did last year at the end of the season, that's not very common. That's not going to happen every single season, especially with uh, Michigan State in the way now. So it, it's a little bit it's a little bit different. But they definitely need to, you know, be able to regroup and do it quickly. And I think Beeline's really got to keep using it. I mean, it was good to see things out of Jordan Poole, like you saw the other day. And, you know, some of the – like I, Livers has been playing some good minutes now for Michigan – it's good to see these young guys start to get in, and that's a lot of what Michigan's going to have to have. These guys are going to have to play big minutes off the bench because you know they they got some guys that can stay in the game for a while. But overall, at the end of the day, you got to have some depth, and I think that those guys are going to start to play some bigger minutes here. Um, also, uh, um, the point guard situation, you know, Simpson and Simmons, they really have just kind of fallen back now, and you know it looks like it's going to be the Eli Brooks show with the way he's been playing. So I would expect to see a lot more to Brooks too, and I think he's going to keep trying to live up that role. All right, last thing I'll ask you, man. What do you expect tonight? You expect a win? You expect a loss? I'm going to go with a win. I think the Michigan is definitely going to get out of Columbus the win tonight. I don't think that – I think that they're going to get that first road win. They're going to feel pretty good about it. I think that Ohio State's a team that, yeah, they played really good against Wisconsin. They can definitely – they could probably definitely give Michigan a scare tonight. I mean, they're the favored team. So, technically, Michigan's the underdog. But I just look at it as I think that Michigan's going to come out and play a lot better than they did against North Carolina. I don't think Ohio State is nearly as daunting – of a uh, a task or a place to play at, so I think that Michigan plays a little bit better tonight, and they get out of there with a slim win. It's only gonna be a win. It's gonna be it's gonna come down the final couple minutes, but I think Michigan gets out with the win tonight. All right, there you go, folks. Andy's hot prediction right there. Michigan gets <laughs> a dub tonight, but uh, that's all the time we got today on Victor's Valiant. We'll be back uh, in the next week or two. I, I'm not sure if we're gonna do, make this uh, a biweekly podcast with uh, the football season sw- slowly coming to an end, or uh, you know, Big Ten playing basketball, um, you know, coming up. Not a whole lot really going on 
um, you know, with a month off for football and basketball, not really hitting the stride yet in the Big Ten season, but we'll get it figured out, and we'll get a podcast out to you guys as soon as we can. So for Cullen and for Andy, my name is Vaughn, and we will talk to you guys next time, and go Blue! Go blue.